I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. We just have to be willing to share and just talk about it. Like you said earlier, you thought you were alone and the only one. And then you found out there were others. And there is, uh, I think there's there's comfort in in knowing that you're not alone and you're not a weirdo and you're not a bad mom and that there are other people who've been where you are. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 559 with guest, Dr. Nicole Washington. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so glad that you are here today. And as always, excited to bring you today's guest, Dr. Nicole Washington. Before we jump in, uh, there is a trigger warning for this particular episode. We are talking about some more severe mental health, and there is some talk around suicide. So I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. If you're extra sensitive to it, just take care of yourself. And also wanted to let you know that I do have a couple of spots open, I think at least one for the next few months for private coaching with me, your favorite podcast host, your favorite author and life coach. I'm just kidding. I might not be your favorite, but I am great at what I do. So (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) if you want to read more about it, you can read the specifics about the topics that I typically work with people on around all the logistics and things like that. You can head over to andreaowen.com slash links. And there's an application there too. That application goes directly to me. You don't need to worry about that going to anybody else. And then if we're a good fit, which 99.9% of the time, it looks like we are, we hop on the phone to see if we want to move forward. So andreaowen.com slash links. Now we are ready for the show. Let me tell you a quick bit about our guest today. Dr. Washington has spent most of her career caring for and being an advocate for those who are not typically consumers of mental health services, namely 
underserved communities, those with severe mental illnesses, and high-performing professionals. With a passion for educating others about mental illness, she speaks on a variety of topics to colleagues and the general public. Through her private practice, podcast, speaking, and writing, she seeks to provide education in efforts to decrease the stigma associated with psychiatric illness. So without further ado, here is Dr. Nicole. Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am always excited to talk to really smart people about mental health. So <laughs> I'm glad to be included in that in that group. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Let's get into it. I find it interesting. You know, I spent a decent amount of time on your website and looking at the different topics that that you teach and speak about. And I, and I found it sp- specifically interesting that you chose to work with people who are not typically consumers of, uh, or even have access, I guess, to mental health services, underserved communities, um, and also those with mental illness who are, who are high-performing professionals. So can you tell us why you ended up with that specific demographic? Yeah, you're you're right. I started off my career working with people who had severe mental illness. Um, and, and I did home visits for severely mentally ill adults. And then I ran a crisis unit for people who were in crisis. You know, the police were bringing them in, dragging and kicking. And then I decided to get a master's in public health long after I uh, completed my residency training and I was working as a physician and people always say, did you not have enough to do that you felt like you needed to go get a master's degree after you were already a doctor? Um, and you all know how it is. Like you're always wanting to learn new oh, stuff. Yeah. Always, 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 always. Sometimes to your own detriment. But I did go to work on this master's in public health. And as I was working on a project for a class, I really, really became interested in the physician mental health crisis. And we lose about three to 400 doctors a year to suicide. And so that number really struck me as, wow, like that's a big deal. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of people. There's something there. Yeah. There's something there. And as I did more digging, I realized, you know what? Doctors aren't the only ones. Attorneys are struggling. Mm -hmm. C-suite folks are struggling. Really anybody who gets to that, that high level of achievement, the entrepreneurs who are killing it out here. Like it's a struggle because the higher you get, the lonelier it can get. And then there's all the stigma still, right? So I had stigma with my patients who had severe illness like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder who were maybe homeless or low income and still stigma was at the top of of the pole with people who had money and means and resources and and stigma was still playing a part in them not receiving treatment. So it just kind of drew me uh, to that population. That's so interesting because it, we, we don't, you know, when we think about quote unquote underserved communities, we might think of homeless people, you know, people in marginalized communities who who usually can't access it because of resources, but it's also on the opposite end of that spectrum. There's the people face the stigma And it sounds like they would rather not get the mental health service than experience the the shame involved in asking for help. Yeah, I mean, there's the 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 concern about what will my colleagues think of me? Mm -hmm. What will my employer think if they find what will my licensing board think? So a lot of people who hold a license, attorneys, physicians, you know, they will often say, well, I I just don't know. 
I mean, I have people call me on a regular basis who tell me I'm thinking about treatment, but I'm just really concerned about having to disclose that I've been in treatment to the board. So maybe I just won't get treated, which on the surface, you think, well, that doesn't make sense. But if you're the one faced with the decision, you know, to, to disclose and then have the possibility of something happening. Now, I will say, I think it's a lot of myth, more myth mm-hmm. than fact. Um, I, I've yet to have somebody lose a license, but I think there's lots of, of, of stories and rumors and lore circulating about, you know, physicians who disclosed things and then ended up not being able to get relicensed for the next yeah. year or not get a new license. And those stories have just kind of passed on like a bad game of telephone. And here we are. But it's it's a concern because mm-hmm. our boards, a lot of the medical boards, especially and that that trend is changing. They used to ask very intrusive questions about mental health. They would ask, have you ever been treated for a mental health condition? Well, I mean, ever. Why do you need to know ever? Why do you need to know that if when I was a teenager, I had depression because my parents got divorced? Mm -hmm. Why do you need to know that I had, you know, a, a drinking problem 20 years ago, but I hadn't had a drink in 20 years? Like, why do you need to know that right now? And so we, we we're seeing a shift in the way we're asking those questions, but those were pretty valid concerns. I feel like it sounds like we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Like it's been, you know, very slow. (laughs) It has, it has. We do have a long way to go because the stigma is still there. I mean, if you think about it as a doctor, you think if you walk into a psychiatrist's office and your kid's pediatrician is sitting there in the office, Mm -hmm. what's your first thought going to be? Yeah, this is this is the doctor that treats my children who's supposed to have it all together. I wonder why they're here. Yeah. You know, can they still take care of my kid? Yeah. Forget the fact that you're there. Oh, it it permeates like so many different areas of 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 our lives. I I want to ask about some verbiage, I guess is the word I'm looking for, because you were quoted in an article a few years back about defining what a quote unquote mental breakdown is or nervous breakdown is. And it's it's a it's a term that I think gets thrown around a lot. Can you Tell us what that is. It's not a thing. Uh, (laughs) It's not a thing. Uh, Not not a thing. Uh, When a a person tells me, oh, I had a nervous breakdown or my mom had a nervous breakdown, I really have to ask more questions because because it's not a defined. So it's not defined, but yet. When you say it, people are like, oh, yeah, a nervous Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely get like an image in our head, like a scene. Yes. Yeah. But everybody's image is different. Mm -hmm. So I usually have to ask lots of questions to figure out specifically what did that mean to you? Because tech definition wise, technically, it it, it doesn't really exist as a thing to us in the mental health world. Yeah. It's not in the DSM or anything. No, it's not in the DSM. It's not defined. Um, What it does convey, though, is that something happened a big mental health event uh-huh. and it was significant enough to you for you to describe it as a mental breakdown or a nervous yeah. breakdown. Mm-hmm. So then I just have to figure out and go through what exactly does that mean? Because it means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming it doesn't even really matter what happened. It's more like, how did it manifest for the person who's describing that that's what that they experienced? I guess it matters to me in the sense that I'm looking for a diagnosis uh-huh. uh, within what you're telling me. So okay. I'm looking to see if there is one, right? I need to know, is this something that needed to be treated with medication? Was this was this an adjustment disorder, as we call it, which basically is- I've been diagnosed that, with that. 
If something big happens in your life and you yeah. just don't have the coping strategies to help you deal with it effectively. And so then that may be your nervous breakdown, right? You may, this thing happened and you just, the tools you thought were there, the box was empty. And so you, yeah. you didn't have them and, and then you had to see somebody, but we just need to be able to figure out what exactly was that breakdown because that helps us determine how do we treat you moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I know that matters for insurance and, and. And, and like it matters that. for, for, you know, medication versus no medication. It matters for what kinds of medication. Somebody's nervous breakdown might be them describing severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Somebody's nervous breakdown might be bipolar disorder symptoms. Right. Somebody's nervous breakdown might be a severe depression. So I have to figure out w- what that is so that we can start talking about treatment. Thank you for that. And that was up some of like just my own curiosity about that. Cause we, I think, I think it was a term and maybe, maybe I'm, not correct, but I feel like it was a term that was used a lot, like in the decades when I was a child mm-hmm. and yes. then it sort of shifted and it just, it same thing just sounds a little bit different now. You had a podcast episode where you talk about debunking myths associated with suicide. So can you mm. spend a few minutes talking to us about that? I know that was a giant question, but please feel free to to run with it. However, your expertise takes you. It's a thing I really like talking about. People say, that's weird. You like talking about suicide. Um, and I do because I don't think we talk about it enough. I mm-hmm. think we we ignore the signs in people that we love and care about. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary to have yeah. someone that you care about uh, say, you know, I, I just would be better off dead. I, you know, sometimes I wish I wouldn't wake up. People would be better off if I wasn't here. And I use those statements as examples because people don't always outright say, I'm thinking about killing myself, but they right. will tell you those kinds of statements. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I always encourage people when somebody says things like that to you, I think it's worth exploring like, hey, 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 you know, what 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 are you thinking about? Like, have you have you gotten to that point where you've thought about, you know, taking your life? You're never going to put the thought in somebody's head if it's not already there. Right. Nobody's going to say, oh, my gosh, I hadn't even thought about suicide. But thank you for putting that thought in my head. That, that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. That's not how this works. So I I think it's important to pay attention to those things. Sure. To pay attention to changes in behavior. If somebody is usually always going out to the to the girls' brunches and all of a sudden they they they've not gone to any or they they don't show up for things they used to show up to, they're withdrawn. Uh, you know, check in with mm-hmm people. And I think there's also a very big myth, especially in people who perform, you know, at the top of their game, people will say, well, they just had it all. Like, I don't understand. They had a family. They had a great job. They had a nice house. They were financially stable. I just, I don't understand why they did it. And you may not understand and you may not be able to see a reason because there's not necessarily always a visual reason. That line of thinking is also what stops our high performers from seeking treatment in the first place because they say, well, gosh, I feel guilty for even trying to go get treatment because my life is really good. I don't know why I'm so depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. yet I still think about killing myself on a daily basis. These kinds of thoughts about having it all, those kinds of things we need to kind of erase from our, from our memory, forget we ever thought that and just kind of visualize people for, for what they're putting in front of us. And if somebody's withdrawing and just seems like they're not doing well, it's important to check in with those people. Thank you for that. I, I found it interesting. I want to ask you one additional question on that too, but just a, a bit of a personal anecdote. I found it interesting when I went through a really difficult time a few years ago and had some suicidal ideation. 
and I was afraid to share it with anyone because in it, and I, and I think this is probably common. I was so worried. My brain told me, do not share that with anyone because they, who they is, I don't know. They yes. will take your children away mm-hmm. because I was so afraid I would be, I would be, you know, categorized mm-hmm. as an unfit mother yes. because my mental health was, you know, in my, in my words, failing, failing yeah. me. And given what I do for a living, like I should have myself together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was scary. And also it was surprising to me that the handful of people I did open up to about it said that they too had been there. And it, mm-hmm. and I, as someone who had never experienced it before and never had anyone outwardly talk to me about it, I was surprised to know. I thought it was extremely rare mm-hmm. to have those thoughts. Right. Turns out it's not as rare as I thought it would be. Yes. Yes. That loneliness. People always say, well, I just feel... I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. And we don't talk about it. So then everybody's left feeling ashamed and embarrassed mm-hmm. because most of us don't put our real selves out there to the world. Mm-hmm. We're not on social media the days that we couldn't hardly get out of bed saying, oh, I'm so depressed. I can't even get up and shower today. Or yeah. my kids ate Cheerios all day because I didn't have the energy to get up and cook for my children. Nobody's putting that stuff out on social media. So right. we're looking at everybody's highlight reels thinking everybody's out here crushing the game and yeah. we're the only losers who are at home depressed and not taking care of our kids. Like that's how people think when when they have depression, which is why I think we have to talk about it more. We have to be open. We have to be open to having these conversations so you all can, and people can know that they're not alone. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash noise. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you 
you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The additional question that I had was about for people who I, I love how you talked about, you know, looking for signs in, in other people and our friends and family. But what about for people who are experiencing it personally? When is it time to because I think like there's the, you know, the place where I was talking about where it's um, and I'm using like air quotes over here, like normal to have those thoughts of. I just wish this would all go away. I wish I just mm-hmm. wouldn't wake because when we're in so much pain, mm-hmm. I wish this would all go away. When is it time for? Uh, so I can use myself for an example. Like when would it be time for me to worry that I should probably either, um, you know, make an appointment with a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or you know even like check myself into right, uh, you, you know, like at some place for for like inpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. What are the kind of thoughts that that go through that are red flags? Yeah, you know, uh, for mild depression, some people are able to, well, first I will say this, depression is an episodic illness. Eventually an episode will pass. Okay, eventually it will pass. Figuring out depression versus life is just really hitting me hard. Sometimes that's difficult for people. It's hard for people to know, you know, am I depressed or is this just kind of life, life and right. Situational. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sometimes life just comes at you really hard yeah. and crappy things happen in a row. And, you know, you, you I call that little... being handed a shit sandwich. Dr. Nicole. So, <laughs> <laughs> life is lifing. That's what I say. Wow. Yeah. Life is really lifing. You know, that can be the case. And, and you might have some low mood and, you know, ugh, motivation's low. But if, if that resolves pretty quickly, if you're able to self-care your way out of that, make sure you get good sleep, eat well, and, and kind of work your way out of that, and it passes pretty quickly, you're, you're good. Mm-hmm. For some people, it lingers. So for us, a definition, a defined depressive episode is at least two weeks. Okay. And we're looking for a two-week period where more often than not, the person is experiencing either this, this feeling of I'm depressed or there's this complete diminishing of ability to enjoy things, things that used to bring you joy. You used to enjoy brunch. You used to enjoy spending time with the kids. You enjoyed going to the park with the kids and blowing bubbles. And all of a sudden, now you just do it because it's an obligation and it's a chore. And you mm-hmm. can't wait till you get home to get back into bed. Um, yeah. You don't enjoy those things. You don't feel present, right? You, you're out here doing things, going through the motions because, you know, you're a boss and you have to, uh, but you have no joy in these things. People mm-hmm. describe it almost like the world is going on around them and they're yeah. not necessarily really a part of it. They're just kind of sitting there watching this movie of everybody go about their lives and here they are. So if you get to the point where your functioning starts to be impaired, that's when I get concerned. And I think you should start with your primary care doctor, start with somebody, but mm-hmm. talk to somebody about what's going on. So functioning impaired, like you're not focusing as well. You notice at work, you used to be able to remember things and now you're having to write everything down. You, you're not sleeping as well. So then if you're not sleeping, that's going to add to your, any irritability, depression, trouble focusing, energy is going to be low, motivation is going to be low. If you're a parent and you think, I'm not able to care for my children as well as I would like. I think that's a good reason to, mm-hmm. to, to 
to consider going yeah. in and talking to somebody. And especially if you're at the point where you have thoughts like these kids would be better off if I wasn't here because I'm not a great mom. You know, my husband would be better off. My wife would be better off. Uh if I the, the runaway part, I mean, I think that's kind of a normal mom thing. Like, oh, I wish I could just run away and leave you all here yeah. for the weekend, <laughs> you know. But if you're thinking like, I just, I just rather not be and not exist. Those are the reasons I, I say like immediately you should be yeah. talking to somebody. Okay. One more question on that same topic. I I understand that statistics show that men are in the highest category for suicide. I don't know if it's been a trend that's happening over the last decade or, or however long. Can are, are those correct statistics before I continue with my question? Men, men tend to have more uh, completions because they have more lethal weight. Men tend to attempt suicide in more lethal ways. Usually, I'm assuming like with firearms. Firearms, yeah, more, okay. more kind of violent, kind of lethal ways. Um, and women are less lethal in their attempts, so then their completions aren't quite. Interesting. As, so do you, as high. Do you find in your professional opinion that that there's there are gender differences in terms of um, just mental health in general, like especially speaking at the present moment in this decade that we're in? Or is it not really? all? That I mean, different? women are more likely to go in to be seen than men. I mean, there's you know, our men really struggle. Um, and I think I, I know the majority of your listeners are women. Um, and so if there are men in your lives, I think it's important for us to think about just the difficulties. I mean, it's, it's tough for a mom, a woman to say, oh, I'm going to go get treatment. But you think about the societal pressures that the men in our lives face mm -hmm. to, to be a man, to man up, to not be vulnerable enough to say I need to see a therapist or yeah. I need, you know, medication. And, and so I think it's equally important for us to kind of keep an eye on yeah. the fellas in our lives mm -hmm. um, when you see extreme irritability creep in uh, because for some men, their depression doesn't come out as sad and tearful and kind of depressed looking. It's more, you know, meaner than a junkyard dog and irritable mm -hmm. and yelling and biting. And so I, I I think it's important for us, you know, to to keep, keep that eye out for them too. I mean, I, I also like to, ask people about the solution because mm -hmm. like, I don't want to just be like, mm -hmm. let's just talk about the problem and yeah. how hard everything is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do you, in, in all the years that you've been doing this, do you see a pattern in what could possibly be the solution? Is it more connection, less loneliness? Like, what is it? Do you think? I, I think the pandemic in <laughs> as, as terrible as it was in a lot of ways, I do think it helped people feel a little less self-conscious about sharing their mental health struggles because everybody was struggling. Oh yeah. Like there, there was, there was, everybody was struggling like mm -hmm. 2020, 2021. They were dark times. Mm -hmm. Everybody around us was struggling. So I, I think that helped a little bit with people feeling like it's okay for me to be vulnerable and say, I'm not doing okay, or I'm not doing well. Uh, my concern is that we're shifting to a place where people are like, that was three years ago, get over it. Like we're about to be in 2024. That's really not, it's just not fair to say because so many people lost so much ground emotionally, socially during that, those two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. People are still struggling. You know, kids are still struggling emotionally who, who went through that. I mean, it, young adults who were late high school when the pandemic, I mean, this, this yeah. is, this is hitting everybody. 
Um, so that that is my concern. But I, I do feel like talking about it and just being willing to to share is important. We don't bat an eye if somebody says, oh my gosh, I was diagnosed with diabetes or oh my gosh, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. Like we don't even think twice about it. We just yeah. go, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, there's okay, treatment great. for that. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we go out, uh, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm not having dessert, you know, and they're like, oh, absolutely not. Your diabetes. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> People are so supportive. And then when you, you know, have depression and if if someone calls you and they say, hey, we're going to go to, you know, brunch today. And you say, you know, I'm just having a really bad day. I think I'm just going to stay in bed. You know, people don't even know how to handle that. They just yeah. don't even know what to do with that information. So it, it makes us uncomfortable. We're like, oh, what do I say? I don't know. Uh, you know, so we just avoid that person mm-hmm. and we ignore them and we isolate them even more because it's it's just like, oh, that was awkward. I didn't know what to say. We just have to be willing to share and just talk about it. Like you said earlier, you thought you were alone and the only one. And then you found out there were others. And there is, uh, I think there's there's comfort in in knowing that you're not alone and you're not a weirdo and you're not a bad mom and that there are other people who've been where you are. It's really interesting at what our brains do to do in those situations. I think especially when we're having an episode mm-hmm. where we're really struggling with our our mental health. To be clear, like I I knew that other a lot of other people struggle with depression. It was the suicidal ideation where I was like, mm. definitely I'm the only one, especially at this level in my career at Mm -hmm. this age, you know, like, look at everything I have. I have, you know, all those things that you, that you checked off, have all of those. And I have, I even have like supportive friends, like how on earth could I even be having these thoughts? And I think the thing that's, that's kind of scared me so much was that they see the way that I describe it is that it felt like it, like a, like a flew in, like a bird from behind Mm. me. Like Mm. I didn't see it coming, like, and it flapped its wings and like, was just like, and it kind of hung around for a little bit. And it it, it scared me because, and I've, I've said this on the podcast before, like I had this thought and for me it was, I was sort of like listing options of like how to help mm-hmm. myself and like, well, I could do this and I can do that. And then I'm ticking down this list. And, and one of the things was like, well, I could always kill myself. Mm-hmm. And then my next thought was, oh, this is how it starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and that how it starts. scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I decided to to stay quiet about it because I was afraid. I was afraid of the stigma. I was afraid of you know people taking my kids away. It's It's funny yeah. how catastrophic thinking works. Yeah. And, you know, the reality of it is you're more likely to, I mean, you're more likely to be in a position where your kids could get taken away if you continue to let it go unchecked because it gets right. worse, right? If if mm-hmm. it continues to get worse, you, you, you are now not able to care for the children in a way that is safe. Uh, you know, the, that's when things can get, can really hit the fan, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, is important. You know, I think a lot of us, we, we, we care deeply about our role as the caregivers, the mom, the wife, the, the daughter, the whoever we're caregiving to. And a lot of people rely on us, the people who work under us, our employees, if we're business owners, like we, a lot of people are relying on us and we, we value that, that position. So I tend to push people to think about getting treatment for their mental health struggles as you caring for those people because you mm-hmm. can't care from them. You can't care mm-hmm. for them 
if you're not well and that it right. re- you really cannot be all the things that you want to be to all these people if you're barely holding on. And it will eventually catch up with you and um, your capacity. In a big way. Yeah, in a you big don't, way. It, the well isn't, <laughs> it's not unlimited. No, it is I not. That and, the hard and, way. and mental illness doesn't discriminate. It mm-hmm. does not care how much money you make, doesn't care how supportive your family is. Uh, I think that that speaks to just the fact that there's something wrong, right? Because if you could change that feeling, you change it right away. Sure. If you had 100%. control over it, you never would have felt. And it's it's interesting. I, would, I just want to point this out before I move on to the next question is is that, and I'm sure that you see this all the time with the demographic that you serve, is that for me, it was, I, I looked up um, functional depression or high functioning depression and I was like, oh, there I am. You know, as someone who's always been a high achiever and just effective and productive, you know, the, yay, America. Uh, (laughs) we're able to look like nothing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to my therapist and I said, but you know, I was, I was defending all the reasons I don't have depression. And I'm like, but I don't lay in bed all day, but I still take care of my kids, but I can still Mm. make jokes and laugh about things. And she said, what you're describing you know, the person that can't get out of bed, who hasn't showered in a week, who, you know, whose room is is a mess with food containers. That's the side of the spectrum that we don't want you to get to. Right. That's the, you right. know, that's when it's gotten really bad mm-hmm. and you don't have to let it get that way. It reminds me of, so I've been sober for 12 years and in the rooms of recovery, there's a lot of, of really great sayings that I take mm-hmm. take away and they say, you know, the elevator only has one direction and it goes down and you can get off at any floor that you want, which, which I find that metaphor is, is similar to depression. It's like, you can get help at any floor. You don't have mm-hmm. to wait till you go all the way down to the yeah. bottom. Yeah, you do. You absolutely do not have to wait, but many people do. They sure. wait until they've gotten to the point where they just finally gave up and had that overdose or that suicide attempt, or their kids were taken because they hadn't been to school for days and Mm -hmm. somebody called. And when they went out, the home was a mess. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to wait. And I just think for people who function at those high levels, those, you know, the doctors, the lawyers, the business owners, the the C-suite folks, they just can pull the wool over people's eyes. So, so easy and that's when, you know, when that suicide does happen, people say, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. There yeah. were no, there were no clues. People aren't always great. And, mm-hmm. you know, or some people are, I guess, great at hiding how they're really doing, especially if you don't see the real them, you don't see them at home. You don't, you just see the public them. You, you just don't know. I want to sort of switch gears and, and ask you about when some and I hope I I hope I word this question well. Uh, when I was thinking about the question, I was like, I don't know if it's gonna make sense. But so, what can people do if they've experienced having their vulnerabilities or mental health used against them? So, like in other mm. words, if they've had a bad experience with this, how can they start to move forward or even to trust that they will yeah. be taken care of? Yeah, um, I would say you probably would use it like you've used any of it, it, situations where any of your other. I guess, perceived vulnerabilities were used against you, Um, you know, as women, as as a woman of color, Mm -hmm. as, you know, community, we find community. I think that helps us. I mean, there's not a a woman alive, I don't know, who is at a high level, who doesn't have like that community to be able to help them navigate, you know, as they're climbing that ladder to to get to that class ceiling, Mm -hmm. community, like we need, we need community to help with that lonely feeling. So I would say finding your 
people. Like, who are your people? If you have had a substance use problem, you find your people yeah. at the meetings. You you mm-hmm. find them, you know, there's a room full of people who've been through what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, support groups for uh, depression. Um, your local uh, NAMI, your National Alliance for Mental Illness uh, chapters tend to have groups. Um, just Google support group depression, my area, support group bipolar disorder, support group, whatever those groups are. Since yeah. the pandemic, we've seen a huge increase in online support groups. Um, you don't see the support group that you fit into, create one. There's somebody else out there like you who mm-hmm. is looking for that group mm-hmm. uh, and and make it virtual and and do it. Um, I think I think building community is probably one of the best ways because that's how you find out, oh, you've dealt with this. And who did you see? Oh, you your therapist was really helpful or oh, that psychiatrist really helped you. Let me go see that person. We will hunt down a woman in the grocery store if we like her hair color to mm-hmm. ask her who did your hair? What color is that? What brand? It's so pretty, blah, blah, blah. But we may not ever ask anybody in our circle Hey, any of you all have a psychiatrist that you like? Any of you all have a therapist that you like? Yeah. We just won't talk about it. To we we just will not talk about it. community. I had never heard of of NAMI. We can put that in the show notes. What is it? The National Association for National Mental Alliance for Mental Alliance. Illness. NAMI is a grassroots organization. Um, they offer classes. So when uh, they offer a class called Family to Family, which I think is amazing, that I refer uh, families to who have loved ones who all of a sudden are diagnosed with your more severe mental illness. I mean, anybody could benefit from the class, but a lot of times I am sending people whose loved ones have been uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Like those illnesses tend to rock a family system because unless you've dealt with it before, it's very tough to know how yeah. to to deal with that. And it just gives you community, right? It gives mm-hmm. you families who've been where you are because it's that lonely feeling because you may not know anybody else who yeah. has had a child or a, a spouse develop bipolar disorder or schizophrenia mm-hmm. or any of those things. So I think community is important. I think it's an, it's one of the most important things that we can do because there's so much value that comes from just those relationships being formed. Okay. Thank you for that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I have one more question for you about the workplace. I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask? My teenagers. (laughs) Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right. So it seems that companies and other kinds of workplaces are, are waking up to the importance of, of mental health, which is fantastic. And and what can people do who are listening to try to make positive changes in their workplace if they feel like it might be an area that's lacking? Uh, positive changes. Like having more access to, to mental health um, resources. Mm-hmm even like personal days for mental health days and things like that. Yeah. You know, a a lot of, especially larger companies will have an employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. It's usually shortened to an EAP. And a lot of times people just don't know that they exist. I can't tell you how many people who have. So it's like free therapy sometimes. It is. And they have coaching sometimes and psychiatry. Yes. Yes. A lot of times they'll have therapy, maybe coaching. But there's a certain, it's, it's a defined number of sessions. So they, you know, your EAP may say, we'll give you eight sessions or four sessions or six sessions with a therapist. I think it's a good place to start, especially if there's something going on. And it doesn't have to be a work-related issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know if you have depression, if you have anxiety, if you're having some kind of mental health problem, it's going to spill over into your work performance. Sure. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, but it's not a work issue. It's a personal issue. It doesn't have to be work related yeah. um but, but the the whole thought is your personal stuff ekes over into your work stuff and so if it's a good it's a good resource to access um i think if you have any pull in your company's you know hr office there should be some campaigns about mental health and and things like that to educate employees about how mental health can affect uh, their performance i think it's important that anybody who supervises people mm-hmm have some basic understanding of what anxiety can look like, what depression can look like. Uh, Because I I do think that there are times when people are struggling mentally and they kind of get written off as lazy, Mm -hmm. unmotivated in the workplace. And I I don't know if that's the most helpful label to put on somebody who's already struggling, uh, you know, with whatever it is they're struggling with. So I I think managerially, we should, we should be training anybody, anybody who supervises people, evaluates people, works with people on just basic depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, what do these things look like? How can they show up? How can they manifest? Uh, I think those things could be very, very important and valuable. I want to squeeze in one more question before we go. And this is just um, my own curiosity. And I think it's partly because I was watching sometimes in the evenings when I don't, when I'm, when I'm a little burned out and I don't want to think about anything, I watch documentaries about (laughs) celebrities and I was watching, I'm I'm only a few episodes in, but I was watching the Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, like divorce Mm -hmm. drama. Mm -hmm. And it, and I didn't realize it was going to be a decent amount of Kanye West's mental Mm. health struggles that he's had. So in your professional opinion, mm-hmm. what do you, um, I'm assuming that that you might have like a little bit of a love-hate relationship with how these are portrayed. You know, it's mm-hmm. good that that it's getting out there that this exists, but I'm sure it's also sensationalized and some, can you kind of just talk about that and and what are, what are your thoughts in general? Yeah. It, I think the media has a huge responsibility in how we portray mental illness mm-hmm. um, and how we choose to how we choose to display 
um, famous people when they yeah. are having mental health struggles. I mean, it's it's he's stated that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think that's been reported uh, that he's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I still have a very soft place in my heart for people who are diagnosed mm-hmm. with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and, and those more severe illnesses like that. He has a lot of means though, and he has money and he can get away with things that the average person with bipolar disorder cannot get away with. Sure. So my my negative is, I think it makes it look like, see, Kanye West has bipolar disorder and he doesn't take meds because he's been pretty open about not taking meds because they mm-hmm. blunt his creativity and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so I, I think it can be a negative on that front because somebody out there is saying, well, I'm not taking meds either because Kanye's not taking meds and look how great he's doing. Like he doesn't need, you know, to take medicine. So I think in that, that's the downside to me uh, with with kind of displaying it and putting it out that way. The positive, though, I, I will try to find a positive in it is that it does bring awareness to the fact that it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can still have bipolar disorder and you can still make bad decisions. The decisions he made, you know, during what is presumed to be, you know, a manic episode lost mm-hmm. him a lot of money, but he had a lot of money to lose. For the average person, they don't have that much money to lose. And that, yeah. you know, losing that much of their worth, whatever it started off as, can be catastrophic and can lead to homelessness and loss mm-hmm. of, you know, all kinds of things. So I you know, I do have a love-hate. Like, I, I, I like that we're talking about it. I like that yeah. it made people start talking about what is bipolar disorder? What does that look like? Uh, but I, I, I don't like the way it's kind of sensationalized. It's, look, he's got bipolar disorder. He's doing so fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, he, and he's, he's a creative genius, it. you know. Yeah. And, Which both yeah. of those things can be true. You can be a creative genius and have a mental illness at the same at the same time let me the way media describes mental health disorders and things is is a little maddening but and that's why i asked the question because i think that as consumers we have a responsibility to to think critically about what we see and 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 even just like what was filmed and and who the who's who's making the who's making the documentary and and things like that so yeah. I actually haven't watched it for that reason. I'm like, uh, I, it doesn't feel. Doesn't, I, I definitely can understand why it would be if somebody's like, oh, I want to watch that because mm-hmm. that sounds interesting. For me personally, I'm just like, oh, I don't think I can. Yeah, because there's, there's well, because I, I had forgotten too before I watched that he also, he lost his mom. And so it just was, a, it sounded like a little bit of a perfect storm. So anyway, um, thank you for being here. Is there anything you, I like to ask my guests, is there anything that you want to circle back to, to either underscore or add on to, so you feel complete before we close it up? No, I think this was really great. I mean, the only thing I can think of is just to remind people, if you are not functioning at the level that you know you can function, it's time to do something. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. And where do you want people to go to learn more about you? I know you do keynotes and trainings for companies. You and You can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Nicole Syke and the website, drnicolesyke.com. Thank you so much. And of course, all of those will be in the show notes and everyone listening. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up, you get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you 
They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.